episode six of season two. <laughs> I'm full. <laughs> well, leave this in. Leave this in. Full full disclosure. We've been laughing hysterically about everything from bronies to. God, we've been sitting here for like 30 minutes laughing about stuff. I don't want them to look up bronies. <laughs> don't look that up. But this is episode six of season two. And of the Axios Wellness Podcast. We are Ed and Brittany. We're the coaches and the founders of Axios Wellness. And, all right, we're coming back down. Full seriousness. The reason we do this podcast is because we're really passionate about principle-based coaching, Mm -hmm. right? We don't believe in a veil where the secrets are on the other side and there was some holier-than-thou person that went to the other side and now bringing it back to you. So we're really passionate about removing all the secrets that really have changed our lives. So what we're going to talk through today, I think might be, I'm talking about inner critic today, I think this might be one of the biggest things that has changed our lives. Absolutely. Let's get into it. So we're talking about inner critic today, but to understand why we're kind of landing here in the arc of the podcast, episode six, I want to go back to episode five, encourage you to listen to that if you hadn't yet, where we get really practical about what to do with mindsets, lenses, expectations, form, form, and really start putting our hands on, all right, I've identified a lens, a way of seeing the world myself and how I interact with it that is not serving me anymore. It's, right. it's in light of who I know myself to be, who I'm becoming, who I'm creating myself to be, that lens doesn't serve me anymore. Right. So we got really practical about what do we do with that? How do we walk through those steps? Well, the reason we're hitting inner critic today as its own separate podcast. Yeah, originally it was part of this one conversation. Yeah, and it would have gone on for about three hours. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much. So the reason we're doing this as a separate podcast is there's this all these layers to it and we're gonna get into today. So I don't want to like go too deep too early. But I, I think the reason this conversation in this order is important is because we can identify lenses mm-hmm. and we can start working on them. But if our inner critic and how we relate to our inner critic is not improving and we're not putting our inner critic in the right place in our lives. Or we're not even aware that or we even have aware it that we have it. Yeah. Like we assume that the negative voice that runs in our head is me, mm-hmm. right? It's not something I interact with. It's not a different version of me, but it is me. Then no amount of awareness in the beginning of the work can be sustained because our inner critic will keep pulling us back into our comfort zone. Right. So what we want to do kind of set some tones at the beginning. We are not fans of shame. So um, here's the analogy I use. When you, I can't remember how many iPhones ago this was, but you remember when the iPhone all of a sudden had a ruler on it? Yeah, that was like seven versions ago. All right. That could have been a week ago. It could have been nine years ago. I don't know. I don't do time well. It was a while ago. But when all of a sudden my iPhone had a ruler on it, I had two choices. I could be upset about how easy that would have made my life beforehand because I don't know if you know but I measure a lot of things. Yeah, like you it's do. a big part you of my life. You walk around measuring things all day long. All day long. Yep. Yeah, I think I was a construction worker in another life. But <laughs> I could be really mad at the fact that my iPhone didn't have a ruler the day before uh-huh. or I could be stoked that it now did. Right. Which is the approach I took. The problem is for most of us, we come to an awareness that there was a different way we could have thought and could have interacted with the world and we start thinking about where could I have been? And we start belittling ourselves and our inner critic. And as we're going to come to understand today, 
Our inner critic starts belittling us because it doesn't want us to do the work to actually adopt that new way of thinking into right. our life, right? Yep. So we end up proverbially hating our iPhone that it never had a ruler on it before today, as opposed to how dope I got an upgrade and now I can do something different. Yeah. So lenses, awareness, growth, creating more of what I resonate with is just an upgrade. Yeah. So we don't do shame as we're having these conversations. We're actually excited about the fact that we're becoming aware of things that we can do that makes us feel more like us. Exactly. Well, and again, the reason that this is such an important thing, it's why we've taken so many episodes talking about this, is how we think literally affects everything that we do. So the way that we think is what we embody. Yeah. And it's how we interact with everything around us. So you can't want to grow in your personal wellness and become a healthier individual without tackling how you think it's just not possible there they feed into each other all the time yeah and that that stems from one other thing we said as context at the beginning that we're physiological yes so there's four quadrants to simplify emotional mental spiritual and physical yep. most of us do the majority of our work on our physical body yeah because it's what we we experience yeah we in the touch natural. and feel yeah. yeah when ultimately generally there's emotional mental and spiritual downstream effects that are now happening and expressing themselves physically yes, exactly so let's kind of jump into this. We're going to get into what is the inner critic. Hey, we're going to take a quick pause for a second. This is Brittany here. We want to make sure we always give credit where credit is due. And we were so excited to jump into this topic. I refer to a book in a couple minutes in, in the episode, but I wanted to take a moment here at the top and clarify. So much of this content is things that I have learned from reading this book called Playing Big, by Tara Moore. She does such a good job of distilling this concept of the inner critic. And I'm going to list out in the show notes the specific sections that we refer to in this podcast from this chapter in this book. We highly recommend that you look at the show notes and get this book. It's such a helpful resource. Let's get back into it. Critic. Yes. What is what does that mean? What's that voice sound like? How do we recognize it? So some key things that has helped us both identify this for ourselves and the people that we work with. So the voice in your head that criticizes your every move, that is a, a big definition or a definer mm -hmm. of the inner critic. So it generally sounds harsh, maybe has very black and white binary thinking, uh, pretends to be the voice of reason, which we're going to dive into more in a second, uh, body perfectionism, this feels like this never-ending tape or broken record that just keeps going on in your head no matter what you do. Very irrational, like you know that some of the thoughts are not rational, but it's like persistent and keeps coming to you over and over. Those are some really good kind of key things that if you start to notice those types of things in your head and that voice, you can know with certainty that that's the inner critic. Yeah, and I also want to, can we talk about the reason the inner critic exists for a second? Absolutely. So there's this evolutionary trait that is a part of every, the human experience and it's called a negative bias, right? Negative bias. So we naturally, as we evolved as a human species, naturally learned to identify when things go wrong, mm -hmm. right? For example, if you're in a new area with your tribe and there's these dope looking mushrooms and you watch four people die from eating the new looking mushrooms, <laughs> negative association, I shouldn't eat those mushrooms. Hence why we don't eat mushrooms. Hence why we don't eat mushrooms. Mushrooms are gross. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> the same thing is true for social behavior, yeah. right? All right. So-and-so act out of line and they were brought back into line through pain or social pain or physical pain, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to do that. Right. So 
your inner critic is actually designed in evolutionary sense to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. That is what it came from. Here's the thing, though. People aren't getting beaten for stepping out of line. At least it's not as much as they used to, Mm -hmm. right? We've kind of identified what food's good for us and what food isn't, right? There isn't a lion hiding behind the corner. So what has our inner critic evolved to? Well, social, like social issues, monetary issues, health issues. So the inner critic's job is to keep us in homeostasis, keep us in our comfort zone. This is the reason we're talking about it. You will not silence your inner critic. No. It will live in your head. It will live and live in my head forever. What we can do is put it in its proper place and identify what it's trying to accomplish. Yeah. Well, and there's a difference. We're going to talk about this um, a little bit more, but there is a difference between the inner critic's voice and the voice of realistic thinking. Wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're not one in the same. And it's very easy to get them confused because of what you were just talking about. There's a biological... It's, it's in all of us. Yeah. We feel it in our bones. I just want to call, I want to call out like the fact that you have, I remember thinking for so long that my inner critic was unique to me. Yeah. Right. You were the only one. I was the only one who had that that, tape in his head. And I think some of us are more prone to that tape than others. Different personalities. Different personalities. But all that to say, this is part of the human condition. Yep. You are a human. That voice in your head exists. Yes. Let's not belittle ourselves for it. Let's learn how to relate to it. Yeah. And don't, just like with lenses, you know, I know for me when I first learned that concept, I mentioned this last time, I immediately felt like I should be able to take the lens, put it on the ground, smash it, and it would never pop back up again. Just knowing that that lens is going to keep coming up, the inner critic's voice is going to keep coming up, it will always be there and we just learn how to navigate it. Yeah. So... Let's dive into a little bit more of this difference between the inner critic and realistic thinking. So the inner critic, one of the key differences, the inner critic makes definite or sorry, definite determinations about people or scenarios. So this, you know, maybe you're starting a new job, for instance, and you meet a person that kind of rubs you the wrong way. And immediately your inner critic says, you're never going to work well with that person. This is going to be a battle. Maybe, or they don't like you. Yeah, they yeah. don't like me. They're out to get you, whatever. That's the voice of the inner critic. Whereas realistic thinking asks curious, open-ended questions about the situation in order to gather information. I think that this is important. So I'm going to repeat that because it's very, very important. So realistic thinking asks curious, open-ended questions about the situation in order to gather important information. And I want to pause for a second and point to this two books that have really helped us so much with this concept of the inner critic. There's one that has helped me tremendously that I'm so thankful for. It's a book by Tara Moore called Playing Big. And the whole entire first chunk of the book is is all about the inner critic and how we can come to recognize it. And it's been pivotal for me in my growth. I mean, we've had countless conversations over the last several months about my inner critic and things that I've realized about voices I've been listening to for a long time. So um, really want to encourage you, you know, grab that book. Also the book Feeling Good. Yeah, we talked about that. That we talked about last week. So um, so let's talk about naming our inner critic. Mm-hmm. Why? So we talked about why the inner critic exists, what it is, the difference between the inner critic and realistic thinking. Now let's talk about naming it and what what does that even mean to name our inner critic? Yeah, so we're operating from the assumption that the inner critic is not me. 
Yes. Right? So that voice is actually a different voice than my internal monologue. Yep. Which, that gets really hard to distinguish. Because it might be the only voice that you've ever really experienced. Mm-hmm. Or interacted with, at least. Yep. Yeah. So, when the narrative in my head is turning to definite thinking, some total thinking, mm-hmm. we can use the phrase that we used last week, cognitive distortions. Yes. Right? When I'm realizing that I am not seeing reality and the narrative in my head is not matching up with what might possibly be true. All or nothing thinking, mm-hmm. overgeneralization. Yes. Worst case scenario. Worst that's case like scenario. trademark yeah, of exactly. critic. Then I pause and say, oh, that's not me. That's my inner critic. Mm-hmm. So part of what makes that a little less like formal is naming it and realizing that's a character That is within you that you have the possibility of playing and aligning with, but it's not who I am, Mm -hmm. right? So for me, my name is Ed. My inner critic's name is Ned. And Ed Ed with an N. Ed with an N. Yeah, I don't know why I landed on Ned. It might be from Groundhog Day and Ned, whatever that guy is that he keeps meeting, the insurance sales guy, right? So Ned is scared has a scarcity mindset, and ultimately is weak and avoids pain. Mm. So when I start seeing a tendency in my thinking towards this isn't worth doing, it's not going to work out well, why would we take that try? Why would I push hard in this workout? Now I have someone that I can call out. Ned, you are not Ed. Ed is taking back over now. Yeah. And that's what naming our inner critic. Ned doesn't make our decisions. Yeah. Ned may sit at the table. Ned may have a voice, but Ned will not dictate what my behavior is. Yeah. No, it's so good. I I think it's interesting. We were talking about this before we started recording, but we, you and I actually have pretty different experiences with this process of naming our, our inner critic. Because for you, your inner critic shows up as this like lesser kind of scared version of yourself. And mine shows up that way but in a total different form so i realized going through an exercise in this book playing big they actually she takes you through this whole visualization exercise where you come through and we're going to give some of these practices at the end of the podcast because they've been so helpful for us but where you literally write down some some of the things that you hear in your head most often and you look for some of the key characteristics And then you go through this whole visualization exercise of what your inner critic would actually look like and sound like as a person, like as an actual human. And when I did that practice, I realized that my inner critic, she shows up as this like strong, professional, has it all together, very like wise individual. She's like dressed really smart. But then as you come to interact with her more, you see that it's all a facade and that she's really actually scared and doing all of these things that she thinks she should be doing in order to be seen as, you know, respected or good or any of those things. So what what has been, that was so helpful and eye-opening for me because I felt like so many times the voice I would hear, especially in this last year as we've started our businesses and we've really stepped out of some major comfort zones that we were in for a long time. I always felt like, well, how am I supposed to not listen to this like voice of wisdom that I feel on the inside that's like, you know, pointing out things that feel very irresponsible for me to disregard. So like money was a big, big thing for us. Like 
we knew we we felt like the right decision for us was to start our businesses and use some capital that we had set aside and my inner critic the whole time is just screaming at me like if you do that this will fall apart you have no cushion right like just all of these very worst case scenario things and at the time i felt very confused because i felt like i am disregarding wisdom and that realistic thinking right but I wasn't asking open-ended questions. That voice wasn't getting me to search for like real tangible information about what we were doing. It was just saying, if you do this, this is going to fall apart and blow up in your face. Well, and I, I think there's a great distinction that we can draw here. So remember, the inner critic exists to keep us safe. Yes. So in some sense, that voice is noble, yeah. right? It is watching literal physiological changes in our biochemistry as right. we prepare to go into a stressful situation. And it's saying, no, stressful situations are scary and bad. Right. So don't go do that. Yeah. Right? So well, it makes me think of the movie Inside Out with yeah. the little characters. Isn't mm -hmm. it disgust? Isn't yeah. that the girl's name with the green hair? Yeah. And she's like, oh, don't. That'll be social suicide. Like, don't. You can't do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but. Remember, there's probably a grain of truth in there somewhere. So to use the analogy of us starting our businesses, yeah. we have a mortgage to pay. We like to eat food. It keeps us alive. It does keep us right? alive. And we have dogs that have a quality of life they've become accustomed <laughs> to that we must maintain. Yes. Right? They depend on us. They depend on us. <laughs> so the inner critic is going to say something like giving up your nine to five and a consistent paycheck means all of that goes away. Yes. Right. Well, in there is a grain of truth that we were making some financially risky decisions, but we could yes. not shape that those were ours to make. So this is what you do. You sit with what the inner critic is saying. And like you're saying, ask questions yeah. to get to what is actual reality here. Yes. So for us, we came up, we met with people who were way smarter with money than us and laid out what our plan was and what mm -hmm. we saw ourselves doing. And they helped us build a plan. So the legitimate concern of financial stewardship yeah, I have a plan for now. That's wisdom. Yes. The fact that taking and making this decision means our life is going to fall apart in a year to two years, that's not realistic. No, and that's, that's not worst wisdom. case scenario. That's thinking. worst case scenario. It's thinking. not even based in any facts. So we honor the inner critic in the sense of, all right, I am doing something scary and there should be a plan here. Yes. Like when I started speaking often, mm -hmm. and I, I speak a lot now, which I really enjoy doing. When I, before, I trusted a ton on my natural gift and an ability to come up with something smart to say in a short period of time. Can we just pause and share a story really fast that I think is, it's pertinent to this, what you're sharing. Okay. On our first date. Yes. Our first unofficial date. Yeah. <laughs> Ferrelli's Pizza in Maple Valley. Yes. Ferrelli's Pizza. You took me there to a small group gathering that was happening mm -hmm. afterwards. Yeah. And you're like, hey, I forgot I was supposed to share a leadership, a thought. leadership thought at this thing. And you pull up to the driveway and I'm like, cool, like, where's your notes? Like, what have you, what are you going to do? He's like, watch this. Literally gets out of the car, goes into this small group to share this leadership thought, having prepared nothing yeah. because he's just that, like, I was so mad at you. I was so annoyed. And I, I gave a three point thought that lasted 15 minutes. That was very good. You did. And people, you know, everyone was like asking questions and really resonated with what you said. And I was so annoyed at you. So I, I trusted on that. Right. Yes. And that worked when I was on small stages with people who just inherently trusted my intelligence, mm -hmm. right? And then the stage I was on started to grow and the type of person I was on started to get more and more educated. Right. And I realized I couldn't just wing it anymore. Mm -hmm. So I, I still remember I'm getting ready to speak on a Sunday morning and I am beside myself nervous. My inner critic is running circles. Yeah. What was legitimate was I had not prepared. <laughs> 
Yeah. Right? So now I have learned, no, I can tell my inner critic when I have spent time preparing for a talk I'm giving, whether it's to business leaders or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? Because I have learned from my inner critic. Yes. So this is a tension we live in. The inner critic has a role. But if the role we allow the inner critic to play is we always stay in our comfort zone, we got the role wrong. Mm -hmm. If it's helping me become aware of the realistic things that I should be concerned about and paying attention to, maybe is a better way, then now I'm relating to that critic correctly. Yes. Yeah. And you're using the realistic thinking part of that to actually move you forward. Yep. Yeah. So two questions you can ask when you hear the voice of the inner critic get really strong is what's real in this concern, right? So you're talking about, okay, was I as prepared as I needed to be? And two, what is my plan to shore up that area? So yeah. again, going back to when my inner critic was freaking out about the financial investment for our businesses, it's like, okay, well, what's real? And then what's our plan? And then that allows you to move forward and not stay stuck in this place of just worst case scenario, stressed out, freaking out, can't move forward. We yeah. get like paralyzed in that place, right? Yeah. I would say this just as a general encouragement. If your inner critic is ramping up, there's a good chance you're headed in the right direction. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is it's ironic that the moment you make a decision to really take yourself on and and step out of your current box and start playing bigger, your inner critic gets so much louder. And it can make you feel like, oh, I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. I have I have messed it up. I'm, I've gone too far. But it usually actually means the opposite mm-hmm. is that you're actually starting to step into the fullness of who you were made to be and who you're capable of becoming and your inner critic wants to keep you safe. Yep. So some, here's some additional ways to handle when your inner critic or that feeling of self doubt shows up. So we talked about some of these a little bit. We're going to dive into a little bit more. So first thing is to label and notice So you can give your inner critic, you start to notice specific ways or scenarios that they show up in. So one of mine we already talked about is around money. My inner critic gets very loud around that just because it's, it became a habit mentally for me to fall into. So label and notice where those similarities are. Second one would be to separate the I from the inner critic. So you talked about this already. Yeah, the inner critic is not me. Yes, it is a voice, again, that has a seat at the table That voice will always be there, but that does not dictate who you are or the decisions that you have to make. Um, And then three, create a character. So we both shared this a little bit and we're going to walk you through some journaling prompts to help you do that because it's just such a powerful tool to to use. So you create a character that personifies your inner critic. Yeah, because if you're not careful, you'll be talking to your inner critic, but still envisioning it as you. Yes. And so then you're actually at war with yourself. Yeah. And we don't want to be in tension with ourselves. We're in tension with our inner critic. Right. Yeah. We're not fighting against ourselves Mm -hmm. and our soul. We want to be able to help those set those things free. So um, and then look for your inner critic's motives and extend compassion. I think that this is a really important one that we, for me, again, like with lenses, I wanna be able to take the thing, identify it, smash it, and then move forward. I don't wanna have to deal with it again. And so I have learned, even in, I just had a conversation with my therapist about this um, like a week ago, is recognizing that this whole process I've gone on with my autoimmune diagnosis and all of the recovery from that, I never once stopped and just acknowledged my body in the process that it's been on and and thanked it for everything that it's gone through. And I think we do the same thing when we start to recognize our inner critic's voice 
is we get really angry at it and we're like, you suck and I'm not listening to you and you just cast it aside. But if you can instead approach it with some compassion and recognizing that that voice is trying to keep you safe, it's trying to do what it feels like is good for you and look for those motives and just extend compassion. Okay, I can understand where this is coming from, where this feeling is rising from because of this experience as in my childhood or this past experience with this relationship or whatever. I can recognize where that is and extend compassion Mm -hmm. towards that. Yeah. Hate and shame and guilt never helps us grow. No. And so when I... Always keep us trapped. When I end up hating even the inner critic that is within me, I I will put on a lens of that over the whole thing. Yes. And I think the thing we're learning too is the inner critic lives in negative space. Mm -hmm. So when I'm letting the inner critic drive... All I see is what I don't have, what isn't working, and what can't happen. Yes. Right? And that is, again, because I'm shrinking back into a shell of myself. Yeah, exactly. And then the last thing is do the opposite and remove your critic from the scene. So, again, this isn't from a place of I hate you and I'm shutting you down and that resistance, right? It's a recognizing, okay, your, your attempts to keep me safe right now are not serving me. So I'm actually going to do an action that's the opposite of what you want me to do because it's important for me to see that I can operate safely outside of this. Mm -hmm. So some examples of how that can look. Say, for instance, for me, when we first started CrossFit, there all of the voice in my head that was telling me is you're going to get hurt and you're going to look like a fool. And I legitimately cried our first entire week. Ed had to give me pep talks in the car before we went inside to the class because I was so freaked out because that was a comfort zone for me. I never believed that I could do anything athletic. And there were some experiences in my past that made me believe that about myself. And so I had to make a choice in those moments to do the opposite of what my inner critic was telling me. And I, that, what that showed me is that I, I was able to meet myself in a different way through that experience and see that what my inner critic was saying was actually the opposite of true. That I am strong. I am capable. My body is capable of so much more than I ever believed it being. So it's super important to do the opposite of what that voice is telling you. Yeah, do the opposite as well as addressing the concern. Yes. Right? It's both So and. there's both and. Wisdom does not act without understanding yeah right so all right man i am scared out of my gourd about starting crossfit out of our gourd out of our i don't know where i got that from it's great it's we're a, gonna roll with it's it. something i say now it's you're gonna have to deal with it so i'm gonna say it more <laughs> so i'm out of my gourd uh-huh. i'm scared right and but we also realized the importance of physical therapy in that season so when we yeah. got injured we took care of our bodies and yep. we started changing our nutrition we started dealing with the fact that yes Bodies can get injured, but they can also get well again. And we have a plan on how we're going to work through injury, Yeah, right? So true. wisdom acts with understanding. So please do not do – there's such a fine line here. Please don't say to hell with my inner critic and go do something that's outrageously stupid. <laughs> yeah. Generally, this, this is the distinction I'm learning, to prove someone else wrong or to prove myself right. Mm. As opposed to, I cannot shake that this action is part of me and that I resonate with. My soul is pushing me. My soul is pushing me to expand more and to create more. Mm -hmm. I cannot shake this. That is when we act in the opposite. Is when I cannot shake that the more I'm supposed to experience of me is on the other side of this fear. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so key. So 
where we want to kind of leave this conversation today is with some practical, tangible things for you to go do. Yeah. So these are some journaling prompts that we would encourage you to take some time this week. Just carve out some time. It doesn't have to be a lot of time. Maybe it's five minutes in the morning and you can start working through some of these things. So the first one, I've mentioned this already, but to write down some of the most common things that your inner critic says. So usually these honestly are like the same phrases over and over again. It feels literally like a broken record keeps skipping. That is a a telltale sign that that's something that your inner critic has been saying to you for a long time. And you might need to actually talk to someone that knows you really well. Maybe it's a spouse, a close friend, a mentor that's known you a long time. If you can't identify what some of those things are, having that non-bias party might help you see like, well, it kind of seems like you think these things about yourself because i guarantee they've been said out loud oh 100%. i think i think that's the thing that's interesting about our inner critic is we yep. believe it so much we'll actually say it out loud yeah and what's interesting is when we say it out loud it is usually even less harsh than what's been going on in our head yep. i just watched um tall girl 2 on netflix random movie but it was interesting because a part of the movie, there's no spoilers, don't worry, is you hear... Oh, I'm not worried about you spoiling <laughs> Tall Girls 2 for me. I know you are really concerned. So, <laughs> there's a point. But in the movie, she there's a big part of it where you hear audibly what statements are being made in her head and this voice that's become really loud for her. And they're so mean, like very intense and harsh. And I was like, dang, that's intense. But sometimes hearing the statements that are actually going on in our heads is very jarring because you don't actually realize how harsh you have been allowing that voice to be. So write down some of the most common things that your inner critic says and ask yourself, does your inner critic echo any external critics in your life? So maybe there's a person, individual that you have either grown up with or been, you know, led under whatever and start to recognize, are there phrases that I'm hearing most often that also sound like this other individual in my life? So those are some helpful. And then number two, look over your inner critic's most common narratives. So you've written down that list now. And then create a character character who personifies your inner critic. So it might be like Ed described with his, he realized this character was this weak, kind of hiding individual that was really small and afraid or it could look like mine where, it, you know, they Yours, look- I keep picturing Carmen Sandiego for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> okay. Could be that's, Carmen Sandiego. That's an old school throwback. Yeah, that is. But yeah, mine looks very put together and like she has all the answers, but really she's just afraid and plays small because she doesn't want to make a mistake. Yeah. So that can look very different for you. So we just encourage you go through those exercises. Don't. You know, don't allow this process to be something, again, that's overcomplicated. This is something we all will navigate. And it's just, it's really key, I feel like, to be able to move forward into this next next level of our well-being. And last thing I'll say on this, mm-hmm. our inner critic evolves with us. Yes. So the narratives that we now know how to say, no, that's not me, that's my inner critic, as we level up, our inner critic gets more efficient at finding those real core things that they keep coming back to, but the narrative will change, right? So our inner critic is efficient and effective. They will say short, simple statements that cut to the core of what our fear is, right? So like a big one for me is belonging. 
when I am running in and stepping into my, when I'm stepping into my fullness, creating a life I resonate with, belonging becomes a narrative that I wrestle with, mm-hmm. right? And my inner critic knows the relationships that matter most to me and know my fear with those relationships, yep. right? Because it interacts with me often. Mm-hmm. So understand, I want to say one more time, this is, you are not going to assassinate your inner critic. No, but that is not your job. But we can relate to our inner critic in a way that allows us to continue to walk in our fullness. Yeah. And I want to encourage you, final thing. I said that three times. Here's my third final thing. <laughs> I can't stop speaking in threes. It's just what I do. But if you are encountering your inner critic often, you are probably headed in the right direction. Yes. yes. Yeah. So next week, we're going to dive into how what you eat and how you move and then how you sleep and recover are affecting your mental state of well-being and it's going to be a really cool conversation so encourage you come back join us next week we hope you got some good stuff from today's conversation and we'll see you soon Hey friends, Brittany here. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. We hope that you have gotten some really good practical how-tos from these last two episodes. And if you have questions on anything that we've covered so far in this season or this particular episode, we'd love to hear from you. Um, We are really passionate about this stuff. It's why we coach and why we do what we do. So if you want to reach out on our website or via email or DM us on social, we'd be happy to chat with you and just hear how maybe are some ways that we can help you move forward in your wellness. So we are really excited for the two episodes to come and we can't wait to see you next week.